Every town has its stories, its secrets. What possible harm could come from sharing them? Hmm? This is small town horror. My name is Ryan Jennings. Small Town Horror is a bi-weekly podcast documenting my return to Creighton, Minnesota and my search for answers. Each episode is recorded and posted in order as it happens to me. For more details, please listen to all previous episodes. Since coming back to Creighton, I feel like I've been reliving my own life. Sort of like watching a stranger's family films, but with deja vu like walking through the halls of your old high school. The sights and places of my youth come alive every time I pass by a store or see a familiar face. But the memories are so distant. They don't even feel like mine anymore. Is it strange to say that I came back because I'm afraid? Sure, while I'm back here, I'm taking care of my father's estate being his only next of kin and all. But more than that, I want to know what happened to me 18 years ago. I want to know who sent me those tapes. Reliving my old life comes with consequences. That first night back. Those noises. It's 2.42 a.m. I don't know if the sound is getting picked up. Listen. keeps happening it's it's not the wind it stops and starts it's been going on for 15 20 minutes i've had enough of this someone's messing with me After making sure the doors were locked, I went room to room with Glock in hand. I could barely keep the barrel level from fear and adrenaline. From basement to attic, I checked everywhere. Everywhere. And there was nothing. No one. All the windows were locked, and all the sounds had just... stopped. There's no point in acting like it didn't terrify me. The next morning when I finally pulled myself up from the couch, I left my father's house and I got a room at the motel I planned to stay at for the rest of the time I'm here in Creighton. I have no intention of going back to that house. I'd rather sleep somewhere I know only has one way in and one way out. Still, I can't help the compulsion to walk or drive by the house during the day while the sun is still high and bright. I keep thinking that maybe I'll see the front door ajar, or a window shade pulled back where it hadn't been before. Something to prove I'm not just driving myself crazy. I'm both drawn to and repulsed by the place. 
It's not that I had an altogether bad childhood. Far from it. Things just got a lot harder towards the end. Every year that passed makes it harder for me to remember the good times. My mom passed away from breast cancer a year before I graduated high school. My father, um, he was, well, he was always distant, but in that dad sort of way that just seemed normal for his generation. But after mom died, he became a ghost to me. When we saw each other, it was only in passing. He was already gone for work when I woke up each morning, out fishing or hunting on the weekends. But when he was home, more often than not, I saw him sitting in his chair, the glow from the old tube TV lighting up the beer can in his hand, the microwave dinner container on the coffee table. His snores drowned out by the evening news or whatever sport was in season. I don't know if mom dying pushed him further away from me or if it just exposed the void that always existed between us. That image has always been what I see when I think of him. That chair, booze, indifference. I suppose I could blame that indifference on my desire to find answers. My attempt at making those tapes. The indifference I felt from him before I did the Sinner's Game, and even after I came back. Let's go back to the start of it all. Those first moments after the Sinner's Game, and when I was let go. When I woke up in the woods and stumbled back to town. When I decided to return to Creighton a few weeks ago, I knew there was some point where I would try to get the police report filed on the incident. I wondered what sort of legal loopholes I'd have to jump through to get access to the information. Maybe I've been away from Minnesota for long enough that my cynicism has taken control of me. But I'd expected more of a struggle when it came to getting that report. Joy, the receptionist at the police station, almost seemed happy to give me a copy of the recording Chief Donaldson made when he first interviewed me after my reappearance. All she asked was that I return it when I was done with it. The following is the actual recording that took place no less than 30 minutes after I stumbled my way into the Creighton Law Enforcement Office. <clears throat> check, check, check. This is Creighton Chief of Police, John Donaldson. It is 9.58 a.m. on October 8th, 1998. I'm about to go into the interview room to speak with Ryan Jennings, age 19, lives at Street. Ryan, mind if I come in? Okay, Ryan, the doctor is on his way. Can you please repeat what you just told me so I can get it recorded? It's nothing official. I just want to get the details while they're still fresh in your mind. Is that okay? Yes, sir. Okay, Ryan. Just repeat what you just told me before I went and got the recorder. It... 
a sinner's game. I, I played the sinner's game and he t took me. Who is he, Ryan? I, I, I don't know. The, the last thing I remember, I was at the Stone Church. When I woke up, it was, it, it was pitch black. I, I was on the floor and I couldn't get up. I could hear the chains clinking on the ground. It was cement. I know that. I screamed and screamed, but it was like the sound just died as soon as I yelled. Uh, can you tell me anything about this person who you think took you? A description? A voice? Anything? No. I just heard his laugh. He laughed. The devil laughs. Would you recognize that laugh if you heard it again? I'll never forget it. So you never saw a face? No. No. Were you ever touched in any way? You mean besides being chained to the floor? No, nothing ever touched me. Do you know where you were taken? No, it was pitch black. I... I thought I was dead. The ground was so cold and chains and... I can still feel them on my wrists. He just laughed. Day after day, he just laughed. Ryan, do you know what day it is today? I don't know. I kept, I kept passing out. He didn't feed me. But there was water dripping from the ceiling on my cheek, and I could just sort of turn my head to get it. How long has it been? A week? More? You said you played the sinner's game at midnight on Friday the 7th? Yes, sir. Well, Ryan, it's 10 a.m. on Saturday the 8th. No one has reported you missing. I called your dad and he didn't even know you were gone. It's been less than 10 hours. If someone actually did take you, well then... That's, that's not possible. Ryan, I think we need to let the doctor check you out. Were you, well, drinking last night? There's a chance that you might have fallen and bumped your head when you played the game. Kids get scared out in the woods all alone. No one else... I didn't get scared. I wasn't drunk. Wait, what do you mean if someone took me? Wait, you think I imagined these bruises? Ryan, please calm down. There's no need for you. Less than 16 hours later, I found myself wrapped in the darkness again. But even the comfort and safety of my home provided no refuge from whatever took me. Soon enough, I was driving 80 miles an hour on southbound 35 towards Iowa. I'd never hear my father's voice again. And all I would see when I thought of him was that chair. Sometimes I wonder, when I ran, did he even notice? Did he care? But 
Deep down, I know the answer. I'm my father's son. I realized in the recording of tape two the why I wasn't up front and linear with what happened to me. I didn't start all of this off saying, I was kidnapped, then released, and cops said I was only gone for a little while, and no one believed that I was gone at all. I suppose I could have said that. Maybe I should have. But I didn't. My fear for this place goes beyond what I don't have answers for. I think any survivor fears being dismissed, or questioned, or blamed. How do you come to grips with the horrible things that happen to you? Just to fall asleep without the nightmares, I think I convinced myself it wasn't real. I wasn't running, I was just moving, changing jobs, traveling. Until those tapes arrived, I think I pretended like it never happened. It was just a crazy story that happened to someone else I'd tell when I was too drunk to know better. I couldn't lie to those tapes, though. Those tapes... Or that sound. That's where Tim comes into this. As far as my current search for answers is concerned, I'm a long way from being self-sufficient. Despite having worked in radio for the better part of my life, I know there are people far more skilled at breaking down audio than myself. When I worked in Iowa, I met a guy I've used on and off for years. Tim I sent him the audio from that first night back in my father's house to see what he could make of it, if anything. It took a few days to get in touch with him and another week before he got back to me. A week I spent talking with the doctors in the county about my father's death, dealing with his estate. Trying not to dream. This is a recording of our Skype conversation. Hey, Tim. Hey, Ryan. What's up? Oh, you know, not sleeping, drinking too much, passing out during the Today Show. The usual. Come up with anything from the audio? Yeah, about that. So, what's the gag? What gag? This is your trying to get me back for Lincoln, isn't it? Long story short, Tim added some sounds of intimacy to an ad drop I was working on that went out the door without my getting a chance to review it. The client wasn't particularly happy about that. What'd you find, Tim? You're telling me all this is legit? What's legit? I listened to the audio you sent, then I went back and listened to the podcast. Both sounded the same, nothing. There was a moment when there was something that sounded like a hum. Easily could have been the furnace kicking on. Yeah, that's why I sent it to you. I heard something, and it wasn't the furnace. Yeah, so you said in the email. Something like a moan? Enough to get you to pull a gun and make sure your doors were double locked? It wasn't a moan, but that's as close as I can come to calling it anything. Yeah, well, first pass showed nothing. No spikes or anything to suggest that you weren't just drunk and paranoid. But? But, as a favor, and because I'm such a thorough and meticulous sort of guy... I went back and isolated the timestamps you sent me. I filtered it a few times and did some other things that don't really matter, and I got this.
that's the sound. It's a lot louder than what I heard, but that's the sound. What the hell is that? Here's the part where I say it's a prank, and you say it's not, so let's skip that. It isn't a voice. Not one voice, at least. I spent a little time on this, and... Is that someone laughing? Yeah, and no. That's just one track. The sound comes from overlapped voices. Multiple people laughing at the same time. How many people? 13 from what I can figure. I recorded the sound of 13 people laughing? Yeah, that's the other thing. How'd you record the audio? Were you using a condenser or a dynamic mic? Just my digital voice recorder. I had it next to my bed and hit record. And that's it? Just the internal mics? Yeah, so? Well, and don't hold me to this, but if you aren't messing with me, this is really f***ed up. There's no way that your DVR should have been able to pick up that audio unless... unless it was close. How close? Those levels? Maybe 10, 15 feet away? So what? You're saying there were 13 people standing outside my second-story window? Those noises weren't coming through a wall or window, man. Those voices were in the room with you. In the room with me? Is that all? Free advice? All I can take. Go back to Atlanta. Either you are messing with me because you were bored while you're stranded up in the woods, or you're not. Either way, go home, man. I gotta go. Later. Maybe that's the problem. I am home. What I didn't tell Tim, what I haven't told anyone, is that the reason I ran, the final thread that broke inside me and pushed me to keep running for 18 years, was that the first night I was back, the night after talking to Chief Donaldson, I lay awake in bed, listening to my father snore, passed out on his own bed on a rare occurrence, when I started to hear another sound, a sound that seemed to come from right next to my head, a sound that I couldn't shut out, the sound of someone laughing inside my room, the same laughter from the darkness. Where does that leave me? Now you all know as much as I do, and maybe you think I'm crazy, that I just heard all this in my head, some sort of post-traumatic stress. These are the facts as I know them. When I was 18 years old, I went missing for less than 10 hours. I was chained in a completely dark room by my ankles and wrists. I was laughed at. Not taunting or mockery, but happiness so loud and strong like whoever it was had just fulfilled a lifelong dream and I absolutely believe that if I stayed in town it would have happened again no one not the police not my own father believed what happened to me but they didn't hear the laughter in the darkness. They didn't hear the laughter in my room. The laughter that echoed down the stairs as I ran. The laughter that didn't stop until I had run from the house. 
As I ran, I thought about my friend Dan disappearing. I thought about his mother looking for him all those years later. All those other people I knew growing up who just disappeared. It wasn't going to happen to me. And as that laughter faded in the cold night air and I dug for my car keys, I swear I heard that voice whisper, Come back. So I ran. So what's next? Here I am back in the town I've been afraid of for so long. The town where people just disappear and no one seems to care. No rhyme, no reason, no closer to getting answers. I'm the only one who can attest to it actually happening. Everyone else will probably react like Tim did and assume it's all a gag. I haven't been sleeping much, or even going out much. It feels good just to get these words out there, like like I have something tangible to hold on to. I need more. What I need to do is track this game backwards. I, I need to find other people who have actually done it. Done the sinner's game. I have to find some sort of connection. Unfortunately, that means digging up skeletons. It means I need to talk to the only other people I know who have gone through anything like this. I need to talk to the parents of Stephen Alderman, the only other person who supposedly went missing after playing the Sinner's Game. My search for answers is only possible thanks to the listeners. To learn more about how you can donate to this podcast, please visit patreon.com slash smalltownhorror. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash S-M-A-L-L-T-O-W-N-H-O-R-R-O-R. People need to know Creighton this year. Please help spread the word by subscribing to this podcast on iTunes and leaving a positive review. Reviews are vital for exposure. People need to know the truth about Crazy Town.